Hello, and you're listening to Kitchen Radio. My name is Rita Katoni. Uh, Kitchen Radio is going out on HCC 102.1 FM in Alice Springs and in Tennant Creek. And it's also available online. That opening track was Vision. It's a 1998 track by Lajamanu Teenage Band when they were teenagers. Um, oh, sorry, I've just been running outside <laughs> to get a second computer for the track, so I'm a little bit out of breath. Um, I would love to welcome my guest tonight, who, which is Laurie May, one of my absolute regulars. Hey, Laurie. Hey, how are you, Rita? I'm good. Did you like that track? I do. I love that track. Large Money Teenage Band are definitely one of my, my favourite uh, bands. So I was lucky enough to catch them um, at, the, uh, at the Memo Club um, when they played Way there. Way back. A couple of years a ago, hey? Years Maybe ago. a few years ago, Maybe yeah. Like five years ago. So it was yep. before they played at mm-hmm. uh, Bush Band's Bash in 16, 15? Oh, wow. 15. I can't remember now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was before then. Um, and, yeah, just a really fabulous band. I They're a great love band, them. yeah. yeah. Um, unfortunately, they uh, lost their lead singer, Mr yeah. Rose, at the start of the year. Um, I've been talking to Kenneth Martin a fair bit from the band and he's um, yeah, he's doing all right. Oh, it's that's a, like one of my absolute favourite bands, mm. favourite local bands in Central Australia and they always re- always reminds me of being when I first came here and it was being played on the radio so much. Um, now, one of the reasons I've chosen La Gemana Teenage Band plus a few other local tracks tonight is because they're local. Mm. And tonight we're talking to Laurie May about her most recent Locavore Challenge. Yep. Which has been five days eating only local produce again. Second time round. And I've been following your Instagram posts, um, Desert Locavorian. They are so beautiful. Your posts are just beautiful. And it just highlights how in this uh, supposed desert that we live in, there is so much abundance. And I just love that about what you're doing. It really challenges that idea that a desert is a place of scarcity. Mm. In fact, our desert here is a place of abundance it, it absolutely is and I mean it, I think it all kind of came about when um I remember one day someone I overheard somebody say you know if you live in Alice Springs like oh you can't really eat local here because you'd just be eating um dates and and kangaroo and honey and I was like <laughs> oh I reckon I reckon there's more and you know and then obviously food for Alice opened up and uh, the community community garden went kind of full swing and I started growing my own produce and then meeting other swappers and then there was the rise of the uh, the grow swap share page for other growers yeah um, and I think so it all sort of came from there and then I started thinking even uh, in more terms of things like when you're in the kitchen you just grab that bottle of olive oil mm. that's in the cupboard or you you know you've got butter or whatever or nutalex or whatever it is in the fridge and you we're so we are still really and we are obviously I'm still yeah. really dependent on the stores yep and so I wanted to see like how that could look and who was producing what and what was around mm. so mm. and it's really time timely with coronavirus you know I know there was a lot of fear with everybody sort of hoarding and I know there was that I know I certainly thought of um you know what if the food supply chain between here and and Adelaide got broken you know how many days um, produce or how many days food is there in Alice Springs and so you then have to Mm. reflect on how much of what you eat is is grown and um or not just grown or grows yeah because if it's animals you know live their lives here 
Mm. Yep. And I think when you – one of the interesting things about the – I've always been really into zero food waste. Mm. But I know a lot of people aren't because it's just not possible or it's not feasible for them. But when you have to put as much thought and effort into being totally locavorian, you have absolutely zero food waste. Zero food waste oh, this week. Absolutely zero. Yeah. You're so hungry. You just like eat everything. You're like, hmm. Um, one of the one of the best things, like in terms of this is how zero food waste it is. Nico found out that if you get goat's milk, and then you put the stems of the you know the stalks of the chili that you don't eat, yeah. the stalks, you put them in the goats in the heater. So you heat the goat's milk to yeah. like eighty or Fahrenheit. I don't remember the yeah, temperature. Yeah. And you chuck in the stalks. Yep. And you put it in a jam jar mm. in a esky full of warm water overnight. It makes a yogurt. Mm. Um, yeah. So is the idea that there may be some bacteria on the stalks of the um, chilies that actually um, enables the yogurt to, to set? Yeah. Or the, or the milk to set, sorry. Yep. It does. Apparently it's the same bacteria, a similar bacteria, not the same, but it's a similar bacteria in goat's poop um, that you can also use, but I probably wouldn't use goat's poop. No, because did you know we did yogurt and kefir last week? Mm. Just funny you say that. And, in fact, there was, you know, we talked about the fact that the origins of yogurt go back to milk being stored in the in goat's milk stomach, which was a storage device, mm. and that's it was actually the bacteria from uh, goat stomachs mm. that uh, started the whole yogurt thing. Yeah, well, so you can much. do it with chili stalks. Yeah. We, strain, we strained it through a cloth that's afterwards, amazing. and it made like cottage. It was, it was actually cottage wow. cheese. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. Wow. So tonight, I've got some starter questions. I'm going to ask you just about mm. the overall experience, and then I want to talk a little bit about the actual Locavorian food movement. I've just been doing a little bit of research, and then I want to hear a blow by blow account of you know of what you've been eating which looks pretty amazing so just to begin with big picture what was the highlight and what was the low light this time Ooh, do you know what there was so many like last time i did this which i when i was on here a couple of months ago and yeah. i did the summer one there was definite low lights yeah. and there was definite highlights but um i think i've gotten better at it mm-hmm. uh and so oh, honestly ooh. Because it didn't look like to me there were any lowlights. Can I just say I followed your deviled eggs yeah, and your pork cool. and your chicken and your camel and I was like, this is a feast. Laurie's having a feast this week. Yeah, I think my highlight might have actually been um, the minced kangaroo. So I did the kangaroo and the roast pumpkin. Uh, so I, I roasted yep. some uh, pumpkin that I swapped with someone for honey um, and then I put on, like at the end after it was roasted, I put some honeycomb from my hive oh. on it so it kind of just melted in a bit. And then I fried up the uh, kangaroo mince in the camel fat, so I rendered down some yeah. camel um, and made camel fat, yep. which is p- beautiful to use for cooking. And then I added like powdered bush tomato and some salt from Lake Hart and uh, and the last of the last of the seasons uh, of last season's um, pink peppercorns, and then a bit of a uh, squeeze of, of lime on that and some beautiful red jalapenos, um, and toasted up some salt bush and had it with rocket. And that was that. It sounds really simple, but mm. oh, that's right. And then I made a honey. I got some honey, a bit of water, and sage. Yep. And I made like a sage infused honey syrup and poured that over the top. Oh wow. And it sounds like too sweet for dinner, but it wasn't. Yep. It worked a really nice line between sweet and and salty, and it just worked perfectly. Yeah. So it was probably that was probably my highlight. Ooh, my low light may have actually been. Oh, I guess the thing that I enjoyed the least was the, which is kind of sad to say because it looks gorgeous, but the uh, the chicken carrot wombok salad on day one. Yeah. <laughs> Only because um, we killed the chicken on Sunday mm. and we didn't know that it tastes better if you leave it sit for a bit so you don't eat it straight away. 
Um, so apparently if you rest chicken, which I mean, we, we're still learning this. We're not experts yeah, on this. Yeah. So it would have tasted better because it was quite gamey. In the, the breast was quite gamey. Yeah. Um, but when we got to the Marylands, which had been in the fridge for a day and yep. then in the freezer for another couple of days and then defrosted and then cooked, mm-hmm. it was just like the greatest thing wow. I think I've ever eaten, greatest chicken I've ever eaten. Yeah, okay. So it was a huge difference between the waiting a few days and the yeah. fresh out of the, off the body. <laughs> because the chances of any of us actually really eating fresh chicken, I mean, apart from you and Nika who actually killed and ate your chicken uh, – you know, it doesn't happen very often. I, I remember going to Laos and um, visiting a family and they gave us chicken and we said to them, how long ago did you kill this chicken? And they said, oh, when we saw the car pull up, we killed the chicken. Mm. You know, so like in a lot of sort of, you know, village life, there is that idea that you, you kill the, your, your animal when you're ready to eat it. Right? Yeah, yeah. And particularly where there's no refrigeration. Yeah, well, that's know, the whole um, point, yeah. Yeah, when yeah. I, I li- lived in Uganda and, yeah, you kill the chicken and eat it the same day mm. like yeah. yeah yeah it was just normal as opposed to our chickens that end up heaven knows how long ago those chickens got killed yeah i know it's uh hmm. Mm. Hmm. let's not ponder that okay <laughs> so but i do want to ask you so you solved your salt problem this time yeah so last time obviously the salt was the main issue because i could barely walk by the wednesday yeah. i was in i was in seizing pain um but uh, salt is a really important part of a diet and mm-hmm. obviously and um salt bush does not replace salt uh so we were really fortunate that a few friends um that we we knew had um had you know, uh, gotten other friends from, you know, who'd gone to Lake Hart and collected okay. some Salt Lake and swapped for some honey. So. Yeah. And what was that salt like? Do you have any there? I at do. All? I do. It tastes like salt, if oh, you can I believe. Just, I just want to sort of, yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's it's a really it's, nice salt. It's a really clean tasting salt. Um, oh my, that just tastes like salt to me. It really does. <laughs> it is salt. So that's I mean that's one of the wonderful things about salt and Salt Lakes is it's um, you it's know just it's salt. a renew it's a renewable source. It, yeah, it, it does its thing. So there's a lot of places around Alice Springs as well mm-hmm. um, that that there are salt. You know when you go swimming in Two Mile and you get out and your eyelashes are yeah. all salted up. You can eat that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How far away is Lake Hart? I actually have no idea. Okay, no worries. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, now what, Arid zone, close now, enough. Okay, so what about the oil and the fat this time? Uh, we didn't have any olive oil this time because we just we just didn't make enough and yep. it wasn't that great uh, the first time. Um, so we relied solely on the camel. Okay. So we rendered down um, the, the camel fat and then strained that into a container and it oh, makes wow. a, really, a really clear, like a really, a really pure white fat like a kofa wow because i saw the fat on your camel steaks and the fat looked so beautiful it looks like so white i know and i cut it off (laughs) so we cut off the fat off the camel steak we left a little bit so that the we didn't need to use any oil in the pan Mm -hmm. um we cooked it last time on the barbecue and it really lost all those oils um so doing it inside in the cast iron um, pan inside means was that a it's holding idea. it all there and it's going back into the camel as well yeah so i would i would recommend doing it that way and you know my sister said she doesn't like camel because she said oh, it tastes like camel smell um but i didn't have i didn't actually notice that um and the oil doesn't smell like anything at all yeah no i think camel's actually a really beautiful meat yeah particularly like camel steaks are mm. really lovely yeah yeah and we you know they're considered a pest in central australia yeah. and uh you know so if I th- we should be eating them we should a lot i think there's there's a movement which uh, which I might look at into another time, which is around um, the eating of feral animals. And yeah, there is a movement. I don't know what it's called. Or pestivarian or something. I think it's pestivarian. Pestivarian. Yeah. Maybe that's a good moment to talk about the word <laughs> locavarian. 
Locavorian. Not Varian. Locavorian. Yeah. So it's not a real word. It's a made-up <laughs> word. It is a made-up word, <laughs> like a- all words in the English <laughs> language. It was made up in 2005 by um, a woman called Jessica Prentice, who was a chef, a writer, and she was co-founder of... Um, Three Stone Hearth, a community-supported kitchen cooperative, of course, in Berkeley, California, where else? Mm. And so um, Jerno was writing up an article about this, you know, Locavorian idea and she asked um, Jessica to come up with a term for it. And so the, the two words come from locus um, or local, of course, and then vore, which sometimes seems to mean to swallow or to eat. And she decided not to say local vore because it doesn't sound right. Mm. So henceforth you've got local vore. But it doesn't mean to say the movement started in 2005 because the idea of eating local produce goes back to time immemorial, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's only since, you know, the the increase in in, um, transport and um, the industrial uh, revolution yep. and then the the globalization and the of the world you know of yep. the, uh, economies and and food economies that we've started eating this way. I know when, you know, um, you know my my grandparents they they didn't eat no they didn't go to the not. store they just ate what what they what they produced you know yeah. so it is like a in fact a reaction or a response to all of that sort of produce that is being shipped to us from Chile and. Mexico, the garlic from Mexico to actually pull back and go, you know, do do you really need it? You know, mm. do you need that Mexican garlic, you know, right now? And do you need that Chilean blueberry? I don't. I do. I really like blueberries. <laughs> so. um, yeah, no, I think it's, it's definitely really interesting. For me, I know there's a few things that I don't know if I could live without or things that, you know, I really missed, you know, like rice was my, my big one. So no grain this time again? No. You relied on the carbs from your pumpkin and from your vegetables? Yeah, so obviously I've gone into keto. Um, mm-hmm. So I went into keto on Wednesday. Oh, that's so – took a – it does take oh, about probably, two days, doesn't it? I to think Tuesday, actually Tuesday I started to feel – Tuesday is always the hardest day. Last time I cracked on the Tuesday, but yep. this time I stayed strong, so I'm really proud Good of myself. Good on you. Yes, so really proud of myself. Um, I think it helped because I had Nico doing it with yeah. me, so I wasn't alone and he wasn't like eating, you know, like meat pies from the, <laughs> the servo across the road in front of me, um, which he did last time. Uh, so, yeah, it was kind of nice having that that comfort and that someone to, to kind of hold you to yes, account as well. to share it with you as well because, you know, sharing food so important and, mm. and sharing this experience, I can imagine, is so important and also problem solving some of the problems you might have come across. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, my brain's gone a bit weird. So, like, by today, I think the you go kind of full keto flu on yeah. on the Thursday and um, and I had a bit of a cold as well. So I've been like off work for a couple of days with a cold and I think the diet helped reduce the duration of the cold. Um, I definitely have noticed that I haven't, you know, it's not coronavirus, I swear. It's Good. just a cold. And then, uh, yeah, but by today, like my brain's not really, you might notice I kind of trail off and look at the, I'm like, what? Yeah, I looked at you and I was like, wow, where's Laurie May? Come here, Laurie May. Be here. Be here with me now. It's, You're here. Good, you good yeah, now. Yeah, it's yeah. really, it's really hard to stay focused. Um, so I know uh, Nico and I have been like kind of having like weird moments where we like yell at each other like, oh, you left the salt in the oven. Something like that. Yeah. So you didn't have coffee this time? 
Did you? No, I did have coffee. <laughs> That's my one. I'm not not having coffee. Sorry. Uh, do you coffee? Sourced ethically and roasted yeah, sure. in uh, in Alice Springs. Uh, that's my one my one thing because I get really bad migraines without yep. uh, coffee. I think it's genetic. My my grandmother drinks about twenty cups of coffee a day. Wow. Um, my mother drinks about ten, and so I'm up there with three. Uh, and if I don't, wow. Have, if that's I don't have not. two or three black coffee, and it's just black coffee, nothing yeah. else, no sugar in it, uh, yeah. then then no migraines. Yeah. Mm. Why I thought you didn't have coffee was because I saw you look like you made some beautiful carob latte. I did make some carob latte, so that was a good afternoon pick me okay. up. Yep. Um, so that was just uh, so carob. Po- uh, so I got carob pods from a friend of mine, but there's so many carob trees in Alice Springs uh, that are just going away. So nobody's. But do uh, they harvesting have? Are them. they fruiting? Yeah, they're ready now. Because carobs grow really well here. Yeah, they do. So they're ready now. They grow in arid zones. They they like you know crap soil. They're it's like perfect. You know. Oh, okay. <clears throat> they're perfect trail springs. So there's quite a lot of trees around at the moment. I would recommend harvesting now before it gets cold. Um, yep. They have you have to harvest them when they're like dark and hard, mm-hmm. uh, and then you boil them for like half an hour, crack them open or you know peel them open, yep. take the seeds out because you don't eat the seeds, and then you dry them in the oven um, until they're really nice and crisp but not burnt, and then I you process them in the I got a little coffee grinder. Yeah, and yeah. Brewers them up and I just mixed up some of the powder with a little bit of honey in goat's milk heated it up gorgeous mm. so not the seeds no don't eat the seeds no so it's like is it the pod is that what we call yeah pod, you actually the eat the pod you yeah. eat the outside of it and what did what did it taste like it tastes like carob wow which is such a close cousin to chocolate yeah, yeah. I know I think that's really weird like because you'd buy carob at the store mm. and you go that's carob and I think there's a really interesting um, cognitive dissonance between looking at a carob pod on a tree mm. and looking at a store-bought, you know, carob powder. Yep. And you will pay good money for it. You go to any of those the, the health food stores yep. and you'll be paying 20 bucks for a container of carob powder, you know. And so mm. you kind of have that go, oh, no, but that's a tree. Like that's not – it's exactly – that's exactly yeah. what it is. So it's not like, a, you know, doing so, anything special. It's literally just carob powder. So it's really sort of encouraging listeners there to stop and think when you buy products and go – you know, it's like honey, you know, why am I buying honey from South Australia? I can buy honey here. Why am I buying mm. dates from wherever they import dates from when there's mm. so many dates here? Yeah, when you can get them in, in season, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I hate I hate missing date season and then I'm like, oh, no, I can't buy dates until February. So you've got to wait yes. a whole another six months I or mean, so. I mean, it's date season now, isn't it? I think the date It's coming to the end. Oh, okay. I think they may be sold out. I haven't checked the website recently. I but must buy my dates. They don't have any bahis. Oh, are they the little... They're the little soft, smooshy ones that oh. like little golden... Oh, like the hard oh. ones. You put them in the fridge. No, no, not the hard ones. The oh. ones that are like a golden colour. Okay. And when you yeah, put them I in the fridge, they, they taste like a caramel. Yeah, yeah, oh. they do. I've put them in the fridge. I oh, like the really hard ones. I love those little hard ones and just mm. chewing on them like a hard piece yeah. of candy. Yeah. Oh, we were really fortunate. We had a few dates left over from last time I got them from the date farm from of the Bahis, which went into uh, one of my dishes. I Oh, my carrot. Uh, I made a date sauce that went on my camel steak with my seared sage and my mashed potato was great. Uh, But then we also went to a local historian, Meg Kellams, so shout out to Meg, thank you, um, who gave us a little tour of her yard and told us the history of the two date palms um, in her backyard um, and her her house being built and all that and swapped us some dates for some honey. Oh, wow, that's Mm. great. Mm. So that, you know, that, that value system like that you've sort of, that barter system I think is really interesting because you must have to rely so much on um, other people, not just what's growing in your own garden. Mm. And I was interested to see what you used as 
um, you know, as, as a value system in terms of that, that exchange. It was Honey. Some, yeah. Honey can get you anything in this town. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, the amount of times I'm like, well, I can't pay you, but I've got honey. Yeah. Um, it works really well. Uh, so, yeah. Um, honey, I've got a lot of bok choy and a lot of kale, and but nobody really wanted bok choy or kale. So. Oh, really? Oh, no. Your kale is looking really good, I thought. Yeah, I've got yeah. three kales at the moment, the yeah. Tuscan, the Russian and the curly blue. Okay, and mm. they look like they're a lot more healthy than mine. Mine's about that big after mm. about two months. So. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, not a good gardener. <laughs> Keeping with the local theme, we have a uh, another local song, and this is Warren H. Williams, um, who I believe Warren's in uh, quarantine at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I took Warren his guitar yesterday. So he's uh, he's promising that by the time he's out in two weeks' time, he's got 12 more days to go, by the time he's out and he says he's going to have a whole new album. So look forward to wow. a Warren H. Williams isolation album. Fantastic. Mm. This is my favourite Warren H. Williams song. Dream, it's a good one. Dreamtime Baby. And a shout-out there for Warren H. I hope you're doing okay. I've been trying some of Laurie May's amazing chilli... Is it a chilli sauce? Mm. While we've been playing Warren H. Can you tell me about that, Laurie May? Um, so this is a really easy thing to make at home um, using all local ingredients mm-hmm. or, or arid zone sourced ingredients. Uh, so this is just uh, chilies, a whole lot of chilies from my garden. Carrot, um, growing carrots is really easy to do if you get the all, all year round seedlings. Seeds work fantastically. Otherwise, I put some in a few months ago and okay. now I've got an abundance of lovely carrots. And a little bit of the last of the, it was the, it was the last of the onion. So a little bit of onion and then the last of the garlic. It was a scabby, yeah. scabby garlic, but... But all out of um, your garden. Yep. Uh, no, the uh, onion and garlic came from... Uh, Rodney? Rodney, yeah. Yep. I do have happy onion. Happy farmer uh, for yeah, those who don't know. Happy farmer. Right. happy farmer and tea. I've got onion and garlic in at the moment though, so I'm hoping to make more of this. Yeah. Um, but And then just a bit of salt uh, water. Okay. And then I just put it in a jar and left it on the windowsill for a few days. So it, And then it ferments? Yeah, mm. and it gets a nice lacto-ferment on. So once mm. it starts to smell a bit like kimchi mm-hmm. and the bottom of it gets like a, a white... Uh, kind of foam, uh, not foam, like a like a milkiness on the bottom of yep. the jar, and then I just blended it up. Chili there you sauce. Go. So how important are sauces? Um, like you talked about a date sauce, etc. How how important are the sauces for you during this week of um, locavore eating? I think it's always really important when I try and do this. I don't just want to be because obviously everyone can eat. You can eat locally, and that's fine. It's not an issue to to eat locally all week. But what I wanted to do was show that you could eat really, really well. Mm-hmm. And you could be eating meals that, you know, you go, wow, you could get this at a, at a cafe or a restaurant yeah. or something like that. And so I kind of wanted it to be a bit more dramatic. A gourmet, um, like, a, it's like a gourmet experience. It wasn't just about surviving the five days. It was actually about celebrating local food and having a, a gourmet experience. Yeah, exactly. So when you eat something, it's not just like you've eaten it for the sustenance or the, or the nutrients. And so like if you go onto the um, desert underscore locavorian Instagram, you can see some really, the, you know, just the lovely pictures and 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 the lovely way that i've well i've tried to present yep. it in as best as i can yeah well uh, they're really beautiful are you taking the photos uh no i'm really mm. fortunate that um my husband is a photographer and so yeah we had like a light box kind of room set up in the kitchen okay. for the week so yeah. looking forward to not i was looking them at, at them and i was noticing there were similar backgrounds but even the um the composition was really beautiful as well mm. oh that's on um, me 
okay. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not a, a food you know posing person um, usually, um, but I just thought oh I just sort of wanted to show people not just the finished product yep. but actually what was going in it. So everything All those that went in ingredients. It. Yeah. Mm. Now I do want to ask you about the chicken. How was the killing of the chicken? I was actually out getting um, swapping something honey for salt <laughs> and I was like oh I better get home because I've got to kill this chicken and I walked in and there's you know um Nico he'd done it without you <laughs> Nico chicken on his he didn't own. wait he didn't wait <laughs> no no he was um yeah doing something very very nice so he did it really simple really quick um you how, know how did he kill it um head straight off with okay a, with an axe yeah a very a very very sharpened um meat cleaver so he's okay. very he's very into sharpening knives which sure. sounds weird but it's not yeah. it's very handy i have good knives um so yeah and then um and then you know and he processed did, it. who plucked it he did everything okay and gutted it and yeah. great had he done it before or was this his first time no my when we first moved into our property we bought it and it came with chickens thanks ben um and my dog accidentally jumped on one and killed it okay. and i didn't want it to go to waste yeah. And so I was like, whoa, um, whoa, what do I do with this chicken? Like, it's fresh. And so I thought, well, you know, I've, I've you know, seen it done in, in Uganda and I've always been around it when I yep. um, was in the kitchen there. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, do what they used to do back then and over there and, yeah, just mm-hmm. dunked it in the hot water and started feathering it. And then I called Nico and I was like, can you come home and, and you know, help me because yeah. it got a bit tiring. And, yeah, because there's yeah. lots of little feathers you've got to pick out. It's not just big yeah, feathers. But this, well, was yeah. a meat, this was a meat chook. chook yep, so okay. it was specially, you know, obviously mm. made bread and, and reared yep. to, to have a lot more meat on it than the backyard. I wouldn't recommend eating your, your laying uh, chickens, no. but it made a very good stock. Yeah. Um, so, no, this was his second time doing it. But we've obviously, we've had sick chooks that were, you know, on the way out. And so yeah. we've put them out of their misery before so it's yeah we're sort of getting better at farming yeah and gap road (laughs) (laughs) i thought that was really interesting um what you said before that you actually had to um it actually has to rest a couple of days because you realize then a lot of those skills around slaughtering your own you know animals etc must have been handed down from generation to generation Mm. and now we're sort of having as a generation having to find out those things ourselves that it's just not a matter of sort of like killing a chook and eating it you've actually got to let it rest and yeah i mean i asked my grandma my grandma you know has always killed her own chickens and Mm. had a farm and and that sort of thing and my my mum grew up around that but she was like oh no I don't have to do that now I don't, I'm not on the farm anymore you know and so where where I come from and my father couldn't really pass down any um, skills because when yeah. I asked him about it and he's like no I only know you know um, seafood, yeah. seafood and, and wild pigs and stuff so that's a little bit different they never he never killed a chicken yeah my nonna did and she what she would do uh, is she would get the chicken's neck and she would put a broomstick over the chicken's neck oh and then she would put her feet on either side and then she would just put, pull the chicken and break its neck. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Maybe I've mentioned it before. No. Um, yeah. Were you in any way emotionally attached to the chicken? No, nah, because okay. it was a chicken that we, we bought specifically for that purpose and it was really stinky. It was, meat chooks are stinky compared to your backyard chook. I was more, I was more connected <laughs> to the f- – they just stink. Um, the first one that I ate, Henrietta, had a name and that was my 
favorite chook that my dog accidentally killed. Yeah. So I ate that, so then that's fine. You know, it's all part of survival. You know, I mean, yeah. if you if you want to eat local and you want to eat locavorian in, in its entirety, then you do have to uh, eat meat. Unfortunately, mm. I think if a lot more people had to kill and eat their own animals, there'd be a lot more vegans. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. yeah. Now, what about the goat's milk? I saw some beautiful like ricotta um, that you cooked and you talked before mm. about um, Nico making the the yogurt with the goat's milk and the the chili stalks. Did you milk your own goats or did someone give you goat's milk? <laughs> uh, we actually went out to the goat farm at Ilpapa. So um, thanks to Val. Um, so we went out there and, and talked to her and yep. um, she um, sold us some fresh milked goat's milk. Oh, wow, that's and great. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we were really happy with that because we could make, you know, obviously cheese and, and all sorts yeah. of things out of that lovely goat's milk. It was beautiful. And how important was it to have goat's milk? The cheese is a bit of a game changer. When I first did this last time and I didn't get the goat's milk until midweek, I just felt like it would have been better to have it on things. And it's just nice. Like we had an you know, omelette with you know, yep. goat's cheese and chevre or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, you know, queso uh, fresco. It was, yeah, lovely. Yeah. So I suppose there's a whole lot of things you can then do with it that you don't have to sort of just have this limited sort of like meat and veg diet. You can actually start experimenting like mm. the, the devil digs. Have you got some there? Can I see some goat's milk, some goat's oh, ricotta so out of the corner <coughs> of my eye? Yeah. So what this is here is this is a, um, this is a cracker. So I made crackers. <gasps> uh, so oh, that one's falling apart a little bit. I'll go with this one. <clears throat> so this is just a pumpkin so that I swapped for honey and I um, roasted it in the oven and then I mashed it. Yeah. And then I um, mixed in some really, really finely ground wattle seed. Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, that's it. And then laid it out on a flat on a yep. tray, rolled it out and then baked it in the oven till, till it's nice and crisp. And you oh. end up with a with a cracker. So if you you know you, you're not going to miss out on anything this way. And so what I've done here is I've put a bit of the goat's ricotta on the cracker, and then I've got this lovely. It's called fig jam, yeah. And it's uh, from my friend Veronica. Thanks, Veronica. It's literally just um, summer's figs, you know, because we obviously have great figs here mm-hmm. in our arid zone. So figs, honey uh, from her hive, and that's that's all it is. Wow, this is Veronica who was on um, the show a few weeks ago, I believe. Probably. So this is really tasty. And you just put on some of that. Am I, I going to get that to eat? <clears throat> you are going to get oh, it to eat. Oh, that's so I'm just good. trying to like do it like, you know, in the world of put it on a little plastic tray and slide it over the table so we're 1.5 metres apart at all we times. We are definitely 1.5 metres <laughs> apart right now. So, yeah, this is a cracker with um, queso fresco and uh, fig jam. What's queso, fr- queso fresco? is like a ricotta? Fresh, yeah, fresh cheese, yep. yeah. It's yeah, I, I agree. Like we call ricotta ricotta, but it's all. I often think it's it's all just about fresh cheeses, and and just curdling those those yeah. that milk and when it's, it's a, fresh. Yeah, it's a different process with with ricotta as well. This is just a really simple. It's also it's it's around the world people eat, eat this cheese. It's just a farmer's cheese or. Can I just say that the cracker is so beautiful. It's so delicate. Yeah. And the crisp, you know, like the crumb on that is so lovely. Mm. I accidentally overcooked it a little bit because I was a little manic today. Mm. Um, I would recommend taking some more time and doing it lower and Mm. low and slow to make the crackers. But... Yeah, just pumpkin mm. and wattle seed. So I got the wattle seed, obviously from Kungas can cook, um, and then it comes ground. But what mm. I, it's it's still quite grainy. So what yep. I did is I put it in the coffee uh, grinder and yep. made it into a more fine powder, uh, mm. and that's what worked with the with the the mashed pumpkin to make it into an actual bakeable yeah. cracker. Mm. Um, so were there implements that you have at home that were really essential this week? So it sounds like your sort of like your seed grinder was really critical in terms of mm. being able to grind up wattle seed and carob. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, I couldn't live without that grinder. Yeah. 
Yeah, I actually got it for free from a store once because oh, they um, they they lost something or messed. I can't even remember the story. It was years ago. They they lost something or messed something around, mm. um, and then they were like, "Oh, here, have the spice grinder yeah. to say sorry." And I was like, "Oh, okay. What am I going to do with that?" And um, yeah, I use it all the time. Grind spice. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I have to say, some of my my you know finds I've had from op shops are the, my favorite things in the kitchen. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, is there anything else there, Laurie? I can eyeball something else um, there which looks like a bliss ball to me. Yeah, so this is a bliss ball. It's similar to one I made last time, but I actually put a little bit of honey in it. So this is da- – and the dates are – oh, whoops, I've just thrown it over the table. Oh. <laughs> it's a bliss ball that's gone flying. Hang on, I'll pick that one up. Uh, so that's just dates, um, and that's dates from Eastside with uh, carob powder, wattle seed, and a dash of honey. And have you got bush tomatoes in here? No. Really? No, it's the wattle seed. Yeah, the wattle seed's got that mm. really nice kind of strong, savoury coffee taste to yep. it. That works really well with dates because it works. It pairs really nicely with the sweet mm-hmm. things. I think that's why it mm. goes so well with pumpkin um, as well because it just sort of it, it, it lends that um, that bitterness as well yep. to sweet things. Um, where does Raylene, this is Raylene Brown, for those who don't know, Kungus can cook. Where does Raylene get her wattle seed from, do you know? Um, it is sourced locally through um, um, through her networks. Okay. Mm. And was there any other bush foods that you ate during the uh, five days? Uh, a lot of salt bush, obviously, and a lot of bush tomato. So powdered bush tomato is kind of one of those things that doing the Locavorian week is is a bit of a lifesaver because it adds a lot of flavour to things like with eggs and it pairs, you know, goes really well with, with salt. So you have like that's the salty bush tomato mm. on the things. It's Did you do your own? So, but it's not bush tomato season. So you've got you've this is bush tomato that you've collected previously. Yeah, I've got I've got still got a jar of them. So mm. I'm still I'm down to like half a jar. So I'm like, oh yeah, well, I made bush tomato chutney. Um, oh, that was so beautiful. So I'm just yeah. getting the aftertaste from the bliss ball. <laughs> um, can you buy the bush tomatoes, or I always call them yakajiri in yeah. Alice Springs anywhere? Um, does does Raylene sell them? Maybe. Do you know I've never actually checked. I used to be able to you buy them from um, Afghan traders, and they were the South Australian ones. Oh, uh, you can get them from Yundamu sometimes. So, yep. or you, if you know people, obviously, um, it's easy to out at Yundamu. Mm. Um, but sometimes you can you you can get them from the ladies at Yundamu. Yeah, yeah. If you're out there that way. Hmm. Which still counts in my local oh, look, I, section because it's, it's like still my local music. Zone. See, I've got local music from um, La Germano Teenage Band. So I'm thinking hmm. La Germano is still local for me and for others. Yeah, I've tried to not with this round. I've gone um, Central and Barclay. Okay. Um, but I haven't, yeah, I've sort of stopped it at, at Tenning Creek. But I haven't yep. gotten anything from that far up. Yeah. No, everything's been either just over the border, APY lands, um, into the, just into the mm-hmm. Queensland desert um, and, yeah, out as far as you know. And did I see that you had pork this time as well? Yeah. So yeah. we actually, yep, <laughs> we went out to a friend's and uh, and and watched that process, which was interesting. Oh, the killing of the yeah, yeah. That Ooh. wasn't yeah. So that was uh, that was interesting. I think my mum called at the time. She's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, oh, "I actually can't talk right now. I'm watching someone process a pig." Um, and she was like, "Right, that's it. I'm getting off the phone. Don't want to know." 
Okay, fair. Oh, so that's what um. you call to process an animal means to like kill it and then well, to turn everything. it into yeah yeah because yeah, yeah. it's it's you know, it's a lot more involved yeah and it's a lot of a lot of work it is a lot of work to to get that ready so um, yeah we were really fortunate that we could um, swap for a bit of honey mm-hmm. um, for a little bit of that uh, and then we slow roasted because it's tougher than yeah I mean last time you said the pork was quite disappointing but you approached it differently this time yeah well I cooked it too fast and too high and it was the leg and it was quite a lot of bone whereas if I had have slow cooked it mm. in the ground like done it you know like a hungry style almost yeah, yeah you know you get the cold and you know traditional way just wrap it in alfoil and bake it in that in the ground I think you would have had a much better like a much better product so this time I wrapped it in alfoil um, and put it in the oven low and slow for like four hours and it was perfect oh okay and Mm. what did you eat with that that was actually the first night and that was the I had some beautiful bok choy was it bok choy? Yeah, bok choy from my garden. Mm-hmm. And I got some uh, some little eggplants and some snake beans, a spring onion, coriander and Thai basil and a, and some duck egg, uh, which I got out from the, the, the goat farm as well and made a little duck egg omelette and then just fried it up and, yeah, that's pretty much it. Just put it all together and then served it with the lacto-fermented chilli sauce. Mm-hmm. And it was absolutely gorgeous. That was a really good – we were like for the first night I was like this is – yeah. This is fantastic, yeah. Because I could see you were doing what I consider to be a lot of sort of Asian-style cooking as well. Would you agree with that? Oof. Oh, do you know what? No. Or do you, do you just actually maybe like for, use oh. and... Yeah, I mean definitely like a carrot, you know, the... Yeah, I guess so, maybe. I never really thought of it like yep. that. Yeah, just what's available really. Mm. Um, so, yeah, definitely when you've got, you know, things like Thai basil and coriander... Um, you know, and the, the, the Chinese eggplants or the Thai eggplants yep. and, the, and the warm bok or bok choy. It's always going to have those sort of um, overtones to it. So how mm. did you approach it? Did you know ahead of time what you were going to be eating each day and, and actually plan it? Or was it just a matter of waiting to see what kind of turned up each day and then go, oh, okay, this is, you know, I think I can cook this with what I've got here. No, it's a, it's a much more intense process than that. And I think eating truly locavorian takes a lot of time and energy mm-hmm. um, and a lot of planning and preparation. So, and that's how, obviously how you don't have waste and how, the, how you get the best out of what you've got. So, no, I spent the week before kind of sourcing what was around, yep. seeing what was around, and then the weekend actually getting the food together. So everything that I had by Sunday was what I ate for the week. So okay, I didn't so ha- you didn't have to go out and forage or negotiate for more food no I'd done all of that it actually takes quite a lot of energy and quite a lot of um, thought and just quite a lot of mental labor Mm -hmm. um, as well and so you don't want to do the mental labor of thinking how you're going to eat something during the time when you're being you know that physical labor and because you don't have any carbohydrates it's it's a really it kind of messes with you a little bit so Mm. you don't have that brain capacity Um, so you need to spend the week so everything was all planned out okay great yeah really well planned out so I knew exactly what I was eating when I was eating it Okay, so this is the challenge number two. Are you going to try it again in a couple of months? Yeah, so obviously we're doing it seasonally. Um, so the next one is summer. So we're looking at end of August. So we have actually put our name down because you have to be you know, it's a certain process to get access to a goat. Um, and so we've got our name down for a goat. Oh, um, it's just from the goat farm? Yep. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so when, uh, once that's ready, so that'll yep. be in, in mid-August, um, okay. we will be going out there and processing a goat. 
script. Great. Um, so we're going to be – we have to get someone to do it for us. Obviously, it's not something we have the skills to do, but hopefully by the end of that we will know how to, to you know, kill and process our own. Okay, so you have goat. to be part of it, part yeah. of the process. That's sort of like the, yeah. the, the agreement. Yeah. And yeah. so there's no cognitive dissonance as well. Like it's really easy to go to the supermarket and be a meat eater because mm-hmm. you just buy it in the packet and you don't think about it. You go, oh, that's nice. But when you actually have to do it yourself, like I said, you, I think a lot of people would, you know, go vegetarian if yeah. they had to do it themselves. Because, I mean, I suppose you could go to Locavorian and go to Milner and get sort of, you know, camel and I date do sausages. get my ca- – oh, yeah, but – yeah, that has other products in it as well. Okay. So in 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 making uh, in certain salts and certain sure. um, any other thing in there and the casings as well. You don't know if they're local, so you can't be a hundred percent locavorian unless it's all really. So really that's whole so getting foods. getting then more camel steaks because yeah. you know. So can you get camel steaks from Milner? Yes, you can. They come okay. from just over the border in Queensland. Okay, great. Mm. So that's I do get camel from there. That's my thing. So are you going to invite, like the first one you did by yourself, this time you've done it with Nico, are you thinking about, are you going to sort of put it out there? Are you thinking about sort of trying to make this, you know, even bigger, putting it out there to see if other people are interested in in doing this challenge as well? Um, Yeah, I've talked to another couple of friends who are like, yeah, they'd be really keen and they're vegan. And I was like, you're going to have to eat this goat and you're going to have to be there when we kill it. Yep. And they were like, yeah, look, we're willing to give that a go if that's, you know, looking at the part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at the idea of locavorianism and what that means. And it's sort of, yeah, um, then then we'll see how they go. We also have a duck. We've got our name on a duck. A duck to eat? Yeah. Oh, okay. A drake. So I'm looking forward to the next one in summer because I was like, I've got goat, I've got a duck. I'm going to render that goat fat yeah. down, uh, the, the duck fat down. Yep. Um, and so I'm going to have beautiful duck fat to, to use next time. I still have camel fat for next time, yep. so I was saving that. And I've still got this beautiful lacto-fermented chili sauce and I've got wombok and I've got carrot. And so I my, my plan on um, for that is I'm going to make a totally locavorian kimchi. Okay. So next time I'm – and I, I've, I've just got some – daikon seedlings as well yep. so next time we're going to be looking at i'm definitely looking forward to trying a a korean dish mm-hmm. uh, a locavorian central desert korean dish um which i think would be really exciting and yeah. i'd love to i'd love to invite steve and kim from the uh, korean um, uh, restaurant. restaurant to come down and have a taste and tell me if it tastes anything like it's supposed to um y- you know you never know yeah um, yeah but definitely interesting um Everything was fantastic. I don't think I've eaten so mm. so well. Yeah, I mean, compared to the last time when you were really struggling, you you do have seem to have a lot more energy this time. Have you finished your diet? Are you um, is it I, done? It's not quite done. Oh, okay. So I'm um, yeah. So I'm like I'm definitely getting pizza for dinner. Okay. <laughs> so you will love that mm. pizza so much. Yeah. Where I you, think so. Otherwise, I might be like no. Nah. <laughs> Where are you getting pizza from? Um, oh, I know this sounds really slack, but Domino's actually do a really good gluten-free okay, pizza. Okay, there you go. So I didn't know that. They do. Um, what was it? Um, not not Roberto's. What did it used to be? Ken Jimmy's? No. Oh, mental I don't blank. Know. How do we forget these things after? Sammy's. No, no, no. no. The one down where Roberto's is. I, I know they know. sponsored me. They sponsored oh, me to drive up sorry. to Darwin once, so I really should know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they used to do a really good gluten-free one, but I haven't tried the new the new one, so I don't know. I don't um, know. I yeah, know. I don't want to sound like I'm plugging anyone. So no, we've got to be careful because we don't do that on Kitchen Radio. We just no. we might talk about local stores and restaurants, but we're not in any way being paid to promote them. No, I, have to say I would love to be paid. Um, no, so and definitely, if you want to know more about locavorianism or eating local, um, uh, you can go. Uh, you know, talk. 
to there's some great people out there who know a, a lot more than yeah. than I ever will about bush foods like Raylene Brown at Cougars Can Cook. Um, there's you know you can check out my desert uh, locavorian uh, Instagram page if you want to see what I'm doing yep. and some recipe ideas, um, which is really interesting. Um, I've got a whole lot of seeds and seedlings on the go, and so I'm really looking forward to expanding my own garden. Yep. And I know that everybody has been doing it because of coronavirus. We've yeah. been getting chickens and doing all these kinds of something. Ah, oh, you know we're we're going back to the old days and that's great but yeah. i'd love to make sure that people keep it up even once this is over well that's it for tonight's locavorian kitchen radio show please check out laurie's instagram post desert locavorian um, and i'll put up some links on the facebook page you've been listening to eight triple c thank you laurie may tonight we're going to go out with one of my favorite local songs and it's actually from the upk5 album um, it's jacob tiger and the song is Nura Wirura Kanima, one of my absolute favourites. And this works. My kangaroo was from APY Lands. Oh, my God. Look at the links. It's fantastic. Don't you like that link? Like local yeah. music? I was like, what music? <laughs> local music. Okay, good night. You've been listening to C on 102.1 FM in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek. Please tune in next week for Kitchen Radio, 5 p.m. each Friday.